of the hardcover edition of My Heart, the voice of Slim, your host, the Paper Keg Podcast, episode 83. Uh, Paperkeg.com. We talk about uh, some industry news, the books we're reading together, as French, forever, and a book club. <laughs> this week... Uh, the greatest graphic novel of all time? None other than Mouse. Uh, this is your first podcast ever. We thank you for joining us. Uh, let's go around the room. You know, we have some hosts. That you may be unfamiliar with. Yawning right now. Looked like he's having the greatest time of his life. Dale underscore A. He's uh, the VP of merch. He is a retweet prostitute. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me again, boys. It's good to be back. And I apologize for the yawn. I'm getting the coffee in me now. Got some sick kids at home, you know, just trying to get through life, and paper keg is the only thing that really is the mortar between the blocks of life. It's the only thing keeping me going. That's a fact. Blocks of life. Um, to his left, he's, uh, he's a writer, but he's unpublished. By choice. He's, uh, he's a fanfic master. He has dream journals. Dream journals are really hot in our uh, in his Hepro Horsham community or wherever he lives in Pennsylvania. Welcome to the show. Jonesy loves telling people he's in a secret society. Jonesy loves beer. Uh, Jonesy loves not so secrets. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, and uh, it's just amazing to be here with you guys tonight. By the way, my uh, fanfic, uh, every story is Scott Hartnell, starring as Batman, Superman. <laughs> Wolverine, it's it's quite a joy to read. Thank you. I'll I'll take twelve, please. But we need to get to our our most popular host, inarguably, according to the numbers. Uh, he looks excited to be here for the biggest show we've ever done. This is the first and um, possibly last theme episode. No capes. Uh, published writer, the only published writer on staff at paperkeg.com. He's also the only black guy. Mark Farrington, thanks for being here. It's good to be back, y'all. Happy New Year. Uh, I think it's it's too late for you to actually say Happy New Year. It's like it's like February. This is the first time I've held a mic in 2013. If I want to say Happy New Year, doggone it, I'm going to say it. Uh, Mark's last show, everybody. Yeah. That's in peace. So, good run. So, so this, is the, this is the big theme episode. You know, we, we talked about it. We, we, we went over everyone's contract at the end of 2012. And we, we we talked about what it would take to keep this show going, and theme shows were a big part of it. So we're doing a this whole episode will be no capes, you know, no mention of a superhero comic, 
Jonesy almost committed suicide when we talked about it. Uh, the only thing that I wanted that I brought to the table was I wanted to be the VP of Synopsis. And uh, they said, since I was doing such a great job already, I wouldn't need a promotion. <laughs> right. I'm not sure who said that, that you're doing a great job. But So no superhero <laughs> mentions. The book club is, you know, we, we went on some, some Google blogger graphic novel list and Mouse was at the top. Everyone loves Mouse. Dale, can you confirm that everyone loves Mouse? Everyone loves Mouse, whether they really do or not. You have to love Mouse, I think. They t- yeah, they'll tell you they love it. Yeah. Whether or not they've actually read it is another story. Exactly. Um, we read so it. So we'll get into that. So, no, so that's the gist. No superhero stuff. If you're the first-time listener, I mean, you've picked the greatest show of all time to join in. But let's get into some Nia's. Uh The Dan Rather of comic Nia's, who's fixing his pop filter right now. He looks adorable. Uh, what's happening the, in the world? The real Dan Rather, rather would have uh, an intern able to p- fix his pop filter, but... <laughs> We'll work those details out next contract negotiation. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Why the Last Man? I've heard of it. Uh, if you're familiar with it, it's uh, going to be made into a television program. They found a director for this program. It uh, It's supposed to be a television show. It's been in development for, I don't know, maybe over a year now. Mm. Mr. Dan... Trachtenberg, heard of that guy? Yeah, you and the I know Michelle Trachtenberg of Buffy. Fame? She an adult Harry movie star. The spy Harry fame? the Spy. There you go. Oh. Adventures of Pete and Pete. Comic fans love this uh, news because this guy used to do a like a nerdy podcast, so everyone was just like getting J guards oh. all over the place. Yeah, if you're so uh, like, yeah, this is a win. This is a win for us. We did it. Yeah, you like guys no, directing a comic movie. Podcasters unite. <laughs> uh, not us, though. I mean... Now we're zeros. Yeah, he was on the Totally Rad show. Mm. And mm-hmm. uh, he also did a couple other movies. No, yeah. not... You know who know. loves the Totally Rad show? Mrs. Beef. Mrs. Beef, former guest you heard host. Her first. Oh, former guest I host th- loving the former Totally Rad show. <laughs> but uh, I, But regardless of director, I'm excited to see what happens with this project. Uh, to see where the the television show goes, right? Yeah, you, you so, boys? no, not television. It's a movie. It's a movie. Yeah, this is going to be a movie. Oh, come on! How it. are they going to make that into a movie? No offense, it's kind of a long that's, story. That's what uh, podcast phenom Danny Trachtenberg has to figure out. Yeah, it's, I you guess know what that's he, his problem. Yeah, you know what he did was the um, what's that Portal game? He did like a a Portal mini movie, like a six minute movie. For Portal Two, and it was actually pretty a good. A fan film? Uh, you might be familiar with the term fan. Yeah, fan I'm a big something. deal in yeah, the fan you, circles. You're big in the fanfic area, so Danny fanfic, did a fan songs, fan, fan film films in association with the game. I think it was approved, and it was pretty pretty snazzy, if I do say so myself. Uh, that's something I could get into and and just have tons of questions about this Portal phenomenon. I'll never understand. The nerds love it. They do. I tell you what nerds do not love. Sex. <laughs> Naked <You> women. Maybe. <laughs> love. $15 Walking Dead number one trades. Volume what? One. The oh Walking Dead trades have long been nine ninety nine to get mm. people into reading them. Next printing, 
Those suckers are going up to $15 a trade. Get the heck out of here. Tell me why this is, please. Uh, well, I mean, it's, uh, I think it's at this point, it's proven itself a money maker. It's constantly on the bestsellers list of the New York Times. And, uh, and folks are constantly selling out of it in their stores, in their Barnes and Nobles, and their, uh, you know, their homegrown places. And I guess they just see that there's money to be made if every other volume and every other book can be $15 at least. Why not have this one be $15? Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I it's a big that, loss. I mean, why not keep it at $10? It's making, it's got to be making money at this point, just reprinting that sucker. Um, it's the same reason why gas goes up, the Arabs. But good Lord, that's a lot of money. I bought volume one for a friend of mine for Christmas a couple weeks ago, and I was mad I had to pay $12 for it. Which friend? Uh, I went to high school with. Yeah. None of your yeah. beeswax. Joey, I think that's what Joe, he's Joe Jr. None of your beeswax. Mark's got <laughs> friends and lives. Uh, he's got a life, like, entire life. Probably a guy from Racquetball Club. Yeah. <laughs> I envision Mark. Mark Farrington has been a long time, if not sometimes permanent host of the show. I envision Mark having a different life and family three states away where <laughs> he is not Mark Farrington. He's like, you know, Zachariah Shabadoo. And He's he Dirk just, Starrington. And he, yeah. And this is all just one clever alias. Right, Shabadoo. yeah. That's why, you know, it's so hard to schedule a show because you're in another world, literally, with another family. You probably have, like, a wife and children. And right. it's just, it's so wild knowing you, they Mark. They think he, he sells, like, industrial sandblasting equipment. He's I got, by this he's got recitals to go to and, and right. practices. That's why he knows, like, try to pin him down three weeks out. And he know midweek he's got things. Like, he <laughs> is just all Cock- tied up. <laughs> Cocktails with clients. Yeah. Rocket ball. Fingers. Uh. Indoor swimming. <laughs> <laughs> I wish my life was this exciting. Uh, you know what that noise uh, means? That, that noise means we're running out of time. We got to move to the next segment. That was uh, oh, is that is that the let's move on buzzer? That was, That's uh, brilliant. Dear friend Don Garvey from Radio Free Echo Rift is sitting next to me, and he just he he just laughs when it's time to move on. He loves so, and he loves he loves thinking about Mark's ulterior life life too. Zebekiah. <laughs> Uh, so we talk Again, about time to move on. We talk about comic books. You know, we we do nothing but read comic books. We're we have tons of free time. So uh, this is the this is the theme show. No capes. Uh, I want to talk to somebody that I thought would literally hang themselves before read a, a book that was not uh, via superhero stuff. And that man is an unpublished writer. Jonesy loves beer. What did you read this week? Well, my. Uh... Roundtable book came out this week, this past week. It's The End Times of Bram and Ben. Did you guys pick this up on Comixology? Image book? I heard of it. It looks like to be one of four. It's a little mini. Uh, And it is a brilliant critique on the rapture. Really? Well, about 112 years ago, somebody came up with the brilliant idea of uh, the rapture when they broke away from the Catholic Church, mm. and it's uh, the details are that when Jesus is ready to come back, uh, all the good people get zapped away to heaven, and uh, all the bad guys like you and me and Slim are left uh, on earth. So uh, what would happen, what would realistically happen if that occurred? And would you try to take advantage of it? And 
how would you act if you were a regular guy who didn't follow all the rules uh, set forth in the Bible? It's uh, hilarious and uh, does a little bit of trying to make you think, but um, instead of going for the cheap laugh, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff, a lot of layers to it. I would recommend four-issue mini. I believe it was one ninety nine an issue. I mean, it's uh, it's good stuff. You guys should all check it out. Who wrote this book? Uh, Chris Asmus? James, James Asmus. Asmus. He's doing uh, Gambit from Marvel. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Yeah, it's it's great stuff. And uh, art by uh, Rem Brew. And the art is... Ooh, I'll let you see it right here. But uh, very quirky, very good stuff. I, I enjoyed it. The, the art is fantastic. And uh, the cliffhanger, I won't spoil it for anybody is brilliant and i can't wait to see the mm. second issue i think he's also sorry Del, he's also writing a thief of thieves that's what that guy i believe you're right i believe that you are Mount, right Mount Del. No. uh so jonesy is this post rapture or is this yeah it's it occurs the day the rapture happens so okay so do the people on earth uh do they know like beforehand that the rapture is actually going to happen like are they given forewarning or it just happens and then no, this is... actually the spin on the book the hook that's pretty great is the the lead character bram b-r-a-m bram um he's like sitting on the couch with his buddy ben and he just fades away and like oh, you know okay. planes fall out of the sky and cars run in the buildings and uh bram all of a sudden gets zapped back and he's like, this is the rapture. I was just up there. And Ben's like, you're the worst person I know. And he's like, yeah, they made a clerical error, so they sent me back to Earth. <laughs> so they hit the streets, and everybody thinks it's like an apocalypse or was there a nuclear disaster. But he's the only one that knows this is the end times. So uh, wow. it creates a lot of situations for hilarity. That... The art reminded me of um, Chew. Chew. Yeah. Mm. Very Chewish art. I'm in. Mm-hmm. I'm all in. Yeah, get, in get there. it, Kenny Rogers. Yeah, get in there. <laughs> Islands in the stream—that's what we are. Uh, the other, you know, the other person I thought that would really have a hard time with this show—you know—he loves G- Geoff Johns, JSA. He's buying just lithographs like they're going out of style from just comic book artist celebs. Mark Farrington. What did you read this week? There's no way that Mark had immediate regrets after suggesting a no capes theme. <laughs> he probably figured he'd be out on some business luncheon on this for this episode and forgot right. that it was tonight. He was in Ohio with his other family. Yeah. <laughs> if he just flew in. If we do this again, I will be tripping as to what to read. But I had a book in my I'm sorry, pocket. what? Tripping. I'll okay. explain on the fireside. I had a book in my pocket that we haven't talked about in the 83 episodes we've done. What? That's Fables. That's why you suggested what? a No Capes episode. What? For this one book. Yeah. What? Fables number 124 by Bill Willingham, and I forget who's on art. Jumping on point. This story is called After. This deals with a side plot that has been in the book since issue 91 with Buffkin, the winged monkey, who's in Oz, and his barley corn girl slash wife, Lily. The revolution is won. They're trying to figure out what to do next, and it puts it close to their issue. You realize that they go around the world, righting wrongs and fighting revolutions. 
thanks to a couple of their spinoff adventures, there are three separate times in their life when they're able to mate and have kids. And it ends with them growing old together, living happily under ever after in Oz underneath the lunchbox tree. I love this book. I've been on it since issue one all the way through. I think I bolted around 115, saw that they were finally wrapping up this story and came back. I don't really like 33 issue subplots. I kind of think that's way long than it needs to be. But I love the universe Bill Willingham created. I love that I can hand somebody this book and they would probably be lost trying to figure out who these characters are. But they would get little references they'd make. Hey, this is us in Oz. Hey, this is us fighting a mad scientist. Hey, they're talking about Red Sonia and Jean Grey. So it's a nice off-the-beaten-path book. I think the last issue I tried reading was maybe a Christmas issue. And it totally didn't read like a one-shot. I don't know if it was supposed to be or not. But um, I think we did the first volume for either Paper Keg or the the comics podcast, right? I don't remember. It was a long time ago. Um, but I know it's uh, it's. Uh, I'm always relieved to see that it. There's no news about it, and it's still around. Like it's, it's not. It, there's not being threatened for cancellation or any cockamamie stuff like it? that. Oh, Doesn't it also have two, like two spinoff comics too? Ferrest and Jack of Fables. Jack of Fables got canceled a couple years ago. Rest that was peace. one of those books where Willingham had a definitive start and end point. He says he did. And then with Ferris, that's still ongoing. They have a couple miniseries with, uh, starring Cinderella where she's this secret James Bond, secret agent, which is incredibly cool. It's a good book in a good universe. And I love how Bill Willingham has written it from issue 1 to 124. Yeah. So you get the continuity. You get the same tone and story. Do you know if... Highly recommend Are you it. aware of any um, plans for him to stop? Or does he have a definitive goal in mind or is it just going to keep going do you know as far as i've heard it's just going to keep going i don't think bill has made any mention that it's going to get canceled it seems like it's a constant seller at least according to our friends in the local comic shop i'm always seeing somebody pick it up or they're always telling me how it is still selling out Hmm. it's one of the few dc vertigo books that i actually stuck around for yeah it's kind of it's like the flagship one of the flagship titles now for Vertigo. Vertigo. Probably the yeah, right? flagship. I can't really I can't name like five other books from uh Vertigo off the top of my head. Here's another one. This is the longest publishing book in DC still, I guess. This has got to be one of their higher numbered books with one twenty four right now. Yeah, now that Hellblazer's done. Yeah. It's true. Rest in peace, Hellblazer. Let's peace. uh let's go to me now. I wanted to talk about a book that I read accidentally. And it just fit perfectly in, in for, uh, for this show. I tweeted about it the other night. You know, for those that follow my tweets, they're great. All thirteen hundred of you, or something absurd like that. Um, no big deal. Abelard. Abelard. It's um, it's a book from a publisher, NBM. You know, and, and it's I guess what you can consider a graphic novel. It's not a single issue book. It's. Um, the art, if you want to picture what the art looks like, it's by, it, it reminds me of Scotty Young, his art on Oz. So very fun, you know, very scratchy a little bit, okay. you know, very cartoony. Okay. Um, Abelard is this little chick, literally like kind of Chicken Little-esque uh, character that is very, you know, not 
not ingrained in the ways of the world. He's very innocent. And he sees this beautiful uh, female that he like kind of has a huge crush on and that he wants to catch the moon for her. So he travels to America for the first time uh, because he hears they invented flying machines, so he needs to go get one. So he, the book follows his travels trying to get to America and the people he meets, like um, gypsies and this kind of curmudgeonly uh, curmudgeon bear named Gaston. And over the course of his travels to America and he meets up with Gaston and they help each other travel. Gaston, Gaston has this kind of negative view on life where everything has gone wrong for him with females, friends, and family, where he's the complete opposite of Abelard, where Abelard kind of sees everything as bright and, and kind of good. Gaston is the opposite. So they travel together, and their views on life uh, change, and they intermingle you know, in both positive and negative. And the ending was uh, very emotional. And I, I pretty much any book that is emotional draws me in, but it's uh, 130 pages. It's gorgeous. It kind of fits perfectly on the iPad. I don't know what kind of format the book was printed in, but, you know, there's no kind of widescreen black sides, kind of like how our regular uh, superhero books have. And it's it's gorgeous. I recommend it. He has this hat where he... He gets a new note every every day he opens his hat and it has a new like quote, like a life quote. Like some of the quotes he pulls out, he just reads. Uh, originally, I thought his dad was putting quotes in under his cap so that when he wakes up in the morning, he has a new like kind of life quote. One of them is like, uh, anguish is the fundam- fundamental disposition that makes us face the void. Uh, in every illusion lost, a truth is found. So it, the book is littered with these little sayings that he finds and it's just highly recommend it. I I didn't know how to uh, explain how I liked it or not on Twitter, but it just left me with um, kind of a void in and of itself after I was done reading because some things happened to the characters that really changed them, but highly recommended. Highly recommended. How did, how did you read that by mistake, if I may? I was looking in the graphic novel section of the comics app, and that was listed. I'd never heard of it. It came out in October. So okay. I grabbed it. 13 bucks. Yeah. Do it. Just Discover do it. something new. Agreed. Do it. All right? Uh, Dale underscore A. What's your read? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and discuss a book. Elmer. Oh, yeah. Elmer Great is uh, another book about chickens. So Slim and I are simpatico there. Simpatico hashtag. Elmer is a four-issue. I read it in the graphic novel format, like um, like Slim. It is uh, by a gentleman named Jerry Al Alanguilan. He's uh, sounds sounds good. He's sounds Fili- right. He's Filipino, and um, he is the that for a lot of Marvel and DC books. Elmer is the story about. Uh, uh, a, a chicken who finds chickens in the present day are basically considered um, members of the human race. And at one point there was a huge event that took place that he finds out through his father's diary that he, uh, his father kept that there was a, a, a point in time where chickens just woke up 
And just one day, they realized, they woke up, they had memories, they could speak uh, through their own guttural language, like they couldn't speak because they didn't know English at the time, but they had thoughts, they had feelings, they they woke up to this S-storm, and this this story revolves around Jake, and uh, Jake's reading about his father's diary. And his father was the first generation of chickens that wake up. And his father and mother woke up in a slaughterhouse in the Philippines. And the uh, the horror that uh, basically picture a, a, an unconscious human waking up in a slaughterhouse. That's basically how serious this book is uh, about how the the chickens were treated and how they are had to fight for their rights as humans, and eventually they won their freedom and their humanity. And it's it just takes itself so seriously, and yet it's so entertaining that it's funny because uh, Jake is the chicken uh, that the story revolves around now, and he's almost like um, like Dennis Leary in uh, Bugs Life. Like he's he gets teased and he has like this temper and he he's got so he like flips out, he despises humans because he knows he was treated badly in grade school and he had a rough go of it and he he doesn't respect humans. He doesn't he just thinks they're big bullies. His sister, believe it or not, is like going to marry a human doctor. Mm. Uh, which mm. which puts this spin on it like, I mean, you know, chicken love jokes aside, like <laughs> to be able to like have the a connection with someone else, another being, to have that heart, you know, connection. Like ha- you think about it in a serious tone, and it's like, I you you couldn't help but support them in their love. And uh, Jake is, doesn't approve. He, the brother doesn't approve of it. But by the end of the book, as he reads his father's diaries and he reads what the first generation of chicken had to do to uh, to go through it, uh, and he eventually writes a book about it on his own. And he kind of has the same outlook on life, but it's a little better. He respects... Uh, what his father went through and what his mother went through. He didn't. He didn't really respect his mother at the time. She was a, little, a nervous wreck, but he didn't understand what it was like to go through what they went through. It's just. It's. It's a crazy premise, but a beautiful book because it takes itself so seriously that you can't help but think about the consequences of everything it tackles everything too like it focuses on this one fat chicken family but you know the uh the headlines and the the bird flu epidemic that that is called that's not caused it's just coincidental that they catch it but it catches on it makes the headlines everybody hates chickens but i mean they speak they think they they have seats in Congress now, or they're fighting for it, and it's just a complete. It's a completely crazy premise, and I recommend you read it if you can. Yeah, I actually got this book off the Tai Tai 
uh, they recommended oh. for me. Uh, show sponsor of the comic book shop in Delaware. Uh, it's actually I'm looking at it on my shelf right now. And uh, after hearing, I got to sit down and read it again after hearing you talking about it. It's such a great book that I discovered on a whim, mm-hmm. and it really is such a good analog of like race relations in this country. And uh, to see it, it's it's one of those kind of things that like only a comic book could tell the story. Mm-hmm. And um, I just uh, I think that the story for like on the TV show or or in a film would just be bizarre and unreadable and, you know, would be panned. But because it's a comic, it makes you think in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways that only the visual medium can do. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, what a great story. I'm going to have to read that again after hearing you do the description. I would probably have a chicken mistress, you know, and if if it it came down to it. Why not? But, I mean, yeah, I guess you could. It would be like a love mistress, though, like, you know. Why couldn't it be called a chicken mistress? Uh, yeah, a mistress implies that's just, you know, you're there for... Love? Sex? Sex. Sexy love? Yeah. And this is... Uh, some... <laughs> Sorry, I get laughed guys, off. The, I get laughed I, uh, off of this beautiful book, Elmer. We have to move on. We know the rules of the wheeze. Radio Free Riff, check him out, Don Garvey. Um, lightning Round, two sentences or less. Another book we read this week... Uh, I think Jonesy started us off. Please do okay. us the honor. Walt Becker's Last Rain. From the hit comedy director turned comic book writer, Walt Becker of Van Wilder fame, comes the title Last Rain. This book also brought about the last reign of joy in my life. It was terrible. Harsh. My word. Uh, Mark Farrington, please help us out. Popeye number one by Roger Langridge and Bruce Ozella. If you read one converted from cartoon to comic book in 2013, don't read Popeye. (laughs) Please don't read Popeye. Son of Merlin, number one. Uh, present day telling of the son of Merlin. Okay. Surprisingly enjoyable. Give it a shot. Period. Eerie Comics, number two. The comic anthology of old brought back. With names attached like Mike Allred, Brian Clevenger, and Gene Colan. This this comic is totally flying under the radar for me. No longer. Mouse. No longer. Mouse. <laughs> uh, the greatest graphic novel of all times. Quote? Question mark? We're about to decide for you right now. Uh, Jonesy, you're look, it looks like you're getting comfortable. You're getting ready to sit up to that mic. Your pale skin is showing like it's never shown before. What's this book about? Mouse is the anthropomorphic uh, tale of a Polish Jew who survived World War II, as told by his son, who is essentially um, autobiographically telling the story of his father's life. 
in comic book form. I'm, I'm not even sure how to how to put that, but uh, the writer uh, self inserts himself in the story as a character who is meeting with his father to tell the story of his survival of World War II, as well as sprinkling in bits of his own story. Uh, the twist, the comic book twist to this is that all the characters are represented by an animal. So um, the Jews are mice, hence mouse. Um, the Nazis are cats. The Poles are pigs. And um, it basically tells the gradual swing of um, the Nazis taking over and, t- and stripping away the rights of the Jews and one man's kind of desperate desire to keep his family together and to still try to prosper despite the looming uh, Gestapo and the people who desperately want his race to disappear. Uh, it does not show uh, Mark's favorite thing, which is the death camps or anything like that. So, But it does tell Alleged callback. the story of injustices. It's a... I'll save my opinion until I hear everyone else's, but uh, it, you you could easily see why when it's why it's considered the greatest or one of the greatest graphic novels of all time. Slim, what did you think about? Oh gosh, oh gosh. Um, I like to go last, but the the artwork and the the storytelling style was not what I was expecting at all. I was expecting a more clean cartoony retelling like it felt like um it reminded me of the too much coffee man style of you know ash can creator own back in the day where you just like buy these at your comic shop uh counter and they're just in like stacks like a very crude not maybe not crude but uh, not as an insult but very crude style um where it could have easily been <clears throat> could have easily been a human drawn like the human characters but for for the sake of this particular story they were you know the the jews were uh mice and the nazis were cats and the uh so we read the first volume which follows the father's retelling up until um i guess right before this his son was born but at the I mean, I, I did enjoy it. I think the because I waited so long and that I've read so many other comics before it that are considered, you know, the best of all time, that it didn't have the same impact to me because I wasn't in the time when it came out. Like, I didn't experience it as what it was when it was first originally released. It felt like it was lost on me because I've experienced so much other things in comics. And I, that's that's kind of my feeling, but the... Um, and I'm sure I'll hear from everyone else, but the, 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 the part that really hit me still, and while I was reading it, was the son's kind of almost disdain for his father while he was telling the stories of what he went through and what his family went through and, and his brother that he never met, he, while his father was still telling these stories about this awful life that they had to go through, the son was still, you know, just annoyed by his father. He, like, couldn't get past his annoyance at his father for how he, 
you know, just just how he was. You know, everyone's has that kind of personality in either a grandfather or a relative that's older and just is so set in their quote annoying ways that but even still the father is telling you know how everybody they knew and their family was killed by the nazis and the son is still just so perturbed by hearing his father say that you know he threw out his coat because he thought it was you know he wanted to get rid of it he wants him to go to the roof to fix something something and at the end of the story it really just comes totally full circle where the father says that he threw out his late mother's, uh, the son's mother's journals, which is what he really wanted for the book uh, because he, the father was so beset by grief when he reread the material. The, The son literally called him a murderer. The son called the father a murderer. And that was like the most raw emotion that you could ever possibly convey between the, the father and son, which I thought was amazing just over the mm-hmm. course of the events. So that that last scene in the volume was uh you know really powerful for me. Um but that's that's my overall view on the book. Yeah, the uh I'd like to read a, a quote real quick from Newsweek. It's on back of the volume 1. Mouse compels us to bear witness in a different way. The very artificiality of its surface makes it possible to imagine the reality beneath. And I just thought that was it just felt rang so true to me the uh it could only be done in comic book form and uh, for me i i can't even consider this like it's it's a graphic novel it's in graphic novel format but i can't i don't even consider it a graphic novel so it it may be the considered the greatest graphic novel of all time i just i can't even see it that way because of the material and the serious nature within it's it's like it's history in a told in a different way and it's so i don't know it's just so hard hitting like this is beyond i i, I mean it's you know obviously what 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 went on is inhumane but to uh to, to have this uh guy retell it through his son's story I mean, it's just the what he personally went to. I mean, to to read a humanized, singular family story of what happened um, was just, I mean, it just was leagues uh, beyond any any sort of uh, graphic novel telling. Like, it's just it's just so much more than just a graphic novel to me that. I mean, it is what it is, and I, I don't know if I had to read this for high school. I remember, I don't remember if I did, if I if I had to, I got away with it by not reading it, but uh, the way it ends is just, I mean, because you know how, he's obviously survives, but he doesn't, uh, the father doesn't arrive in Auschwitz yet in this volume, and uh, I just, I mean, I, I want to read volume two, I need to read volume two but I don't want to read volume two at the same time because it's that crazy to me. I echo that thought. Exactly. I know. I don't think I could have read this book if it wasn't starring anthropomorphic animals only because it was written with such poignancy and heart tugging emotion that you could tell it was autobiographical and that made it that much more powerful. Um, the animals as the cast really took some of the sting out of the raw emotion of 
watching this detailed annotation of one family's uh, tragedy through the early days of the Holocaust, even going, getting shipped off into Auschwitz. Uh, you, anything that you might have remembered in history class about Nazi Germany and families going through this stuff, you're reading in this book. Mm-hmm. You're seeing families separated. You're seeing people running and hiding and cowering in anywhere they could just to survive day to day. And it was it, it was a powerful book. I didn't think I would like it as much as I did. I'm with you, Dale. I was so engulfed by it that I feel as though I need to read volume two, but I don't want to read volume two. <laughs> right. Um, there were very little things from a nuts and bolts standpoint in this book that kind of took a little bit to get used to. Uh, Art wrote this book with speaking with his father speaking broken English in sort of a Russian accent. I don't know about anybody else, but when I was reading his father's dialogue, I felt I could hear an old Russian man's voice mm-hmm. speaking all of this. Yeah. yeah, and that took a little bit of time to get used to. And one of the most powerful moments to me was when Art's father, in flashback form, was walking around. I forget where, and he comes across a group of kids, and they start screaming, Jew, 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 and he just freezes with terror, goes, what do I do? If I run, they'll know that I really am a Jewish man, and if I stay here, they might find me out. And to watch those kids just start screaming obscenities at him, and he's fearing for his life just for being who he is, that was powerful stuff. What did you think, Jonesy? No, I, I think... Uh what you're saying about uh, the anthropomorphic uh, creatures being the only thing that could really soften the edge uh, is absolutely right because a lot of the stuff he talks about in this book is uncomfortable. Like it's a situation that you would never wish you were a fly on the wall for. So to see it happen to a person and the way the father just tries desperately to, to hold on to his dignity and then when the when the Nazis take that away from him, the only thing he wants to hang on to is his family. It's jarring. Like it's mm-hmm. it's tough to read to see somebody have to go through that because you, yeah, you put your try to put yourself in his shoes. You never want that to happen, you know. And you know we have kids. You would never want you know your son to go through that or to have have to have him live through that life. Uh, so it it affects you emotionally when reading the volume. One thing I I do want to uh, actually agree with Slim on is I hated the kid, the author, after reading this first volume. Mm-hmm. I was so upset by his lack of respect for his father that it like it it had the right effect. It made me feel something. It made me feel I was angry. You know that the guy threw away his jacket because. He went through some of the worst stuff in his life, and he just wants his son to have a better life. He wants him to have nice things because he never got to keep his nice things. So, you know, you can see the the motivation there. You know, he didn't want, you know, to go up or hire somebody to fix that pipe on the on the roof. It really didn't need to be done, but you could tell the dad wanted to spend the time with his son while he had it left. So the fact that the kid blows him off because he, you know, I don't know how to do this or I don't know how to do that when he doesn't really see that the point is the dad wants him to spend some time with him before he's not around anymore or maybe teach him something. And it's heartbreaking. And the kid blows him off that way. I was incredibly upset by that fact. 
I I think I I understand. Uh, I definitely understand that. Um, and I think I looking at it from you know Art Spiegelman's point of view. I think he wrote that in because he's self-recognizing the fact that he wasn't uh, respectful enough to his father. And, uh, you know, it's like the the kids these days mentality. I don't know, like, especially when you're younger, um, I, you know, I I could hear stories about the way my parents were uh, raised and had to live, but I'll never have the the same... I'll never feel the way they actually felt as they were going through it. So it kind of diminishes it a little bit. And I think, I mean, this is like, this expounds on that times a hundred, you know, uh, you know, cause you just, you could just look at the man and you think for one second about, you know, what they had to go through. It, it, it would calm, it would calm me down a little bit, but you know, as a, as a child growing up in his household and stuff, that's not what it was like for him. At the he's time, probably super desensitized to it. Yeah, exactly. Even though, uh, you know, he's just, you know, he was a younger phase when he was writing that part of the story. And I think he wrote himself as a, a dickish because of that. He probably, yeah. looking back now, he fully recognizes that, you know, the the guy is who he was and he survived. He went to Auschwitz. I mean, and he's living and he was able to have a child. He's in the United States now. Like... The, the triumph there, however it works out, that's why I I want to see their personal story of how that worked out. I mean, that's the the chances and the the ratio of something like that as for a survivor to come out of Auschwitz. It's 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 mind blowing. It's mind bottling. Um, I, th- I I I was going to say something else too while you guys were talking. I forget what it was. Um, I think also our. As much as this was about Art Spiegelman's father, this story was also Art piecing together his past. When he was angry that his father had threw out his mother's journals and diaries, I got that he was angry at the like senile old man that his dad had become. But this is also, that was my one link to really figure out what happened with mom right. and what she went through. Yeah. So, yeah, he w- came off as a bad, disrespectful kid, but Art was hurting too. And don't forget that part in the book where they stumbled across an old comic that Art had drawn that was really about him grieving his mother's suicide. That was emotional. That mm-hmm. part was deep too. Yeah, that was pretty pretty dark. The there was a, like before I say something about that, but the the thing with his father, like I do think the kid was a jerk in the story, but I do get that at a certain point of your life. You know, you know, it was different that he grew up with him. But at a certain point in your life, you kind of view your parents differently. Like I know when I had James, you view parenthood in a different light. And there were several instances, you know, with James where I would do something and it reminded me of my parents. And you view what they have gone through in a totally different light. And I think that's only experienced through different stages of your life. So I'm sure the son... At some point, I'm not sure if another lo- another volume or what have you would view things differently. But mm-hmm. the the comic book, the, there's a certain part in the comic book where he mentions that the son comes back from a mental ward. Did anyone else catch that? Yeah, Is yeah. That... He it I guess for um, uh, emo- like bipolar or some kind of emotional distress, mm. maybe after uh, or was it before the mother committed suicide? 
I don't remember. But I do remember that part that he had been through some kind of yeah, I th- mental ward or, or some kind of recovery. I think it I was think before. he came out of the mental ward and then she was dead because I thought the last parts of the comic within the comic he drew was him saying, Mom, you did this to me, implying mm-hmm. that her suicide is what drew, drove him over the edge. Oh, okay. I mean, I don't blame. I'm, I, you know, I guess in later volumes we'll get to. I mean, hopefully you get to the wife story. And I'm so ignorant of Mouse in general, but I do that on purpose so that I don't get so overwhelmed by the hype and et cetera. So that when I finally do read it, it's not tarnished. But the, the, I mean, their their son that didn't survive. How he wanted to send him away at some point, and they all vetoed his plan. And then when they finally do send him away, the entire family, the the mother that was watching them, you know, didn't want them to get gas, so she poisoned them and herself. Yeah. I mean, good Lord. I, mean, I don't t- blame the mother at all for, for deciding to just call it quits. Right. I mean, how, does the, how does the father go on at that point, knowing that then- you sent the kid away to be safe, and that because of that position they were in, they are no longer, you know, among the living? Good. I mean... Or having to know that opportunity to save him, if you would have ignored everybody, would have worked. Mm-hmm. And now you got to live with the fact that you didn't pull the trigger and it would have saved your son's life. Tack on to that, too, that the wife found out her son had died and her parents were dead and her grandmother and grandfather were dead at virtually the same time. There's a panel where she's lying on the ground, kicking, screaming and crying. And Art's father is trying to pick her up. She's saying, "No, I, I can't go on." Yeah, that was tough. The, uh, I mean, it's there's so many heavy hitting because, especially when you know it's all goddamn true, you know. But the uh, when it's still early on in the book, maybe halfway through, but they come for uh, Art's father's mother and father, and basically they are being sorted because they're too old. And that they're so they're like the first to go. Like you need to give, you need to give these two up, or you're going too. Like so they were in the one some of the first rounds of, you know, uh, of grouping them together. And it was just like they had to make the choice of, you know, you got to give these people up, or your the rest of your family is going to suffer and stuff like that. I just couldn't. I mean, I couldn't even get through like the. I don't know. This is history. You know what I mean? This is really what happened. And the and the further, the more people we the further we distance ourselves from the 1940s and that and all all that air, a lot of people are going to start becoming desensitized to mm-hmm. to what happened. So, and yeah. the, and my plea is like Mouse is some of the most accessible pieces of of just keep just being able to read and to keep in mind how how horrible the human the egomaniacs and humanity can be. And I mean, this is just, this has got to be read generation after generation because the further we get out from, from that time, I mean, it's going to be a, a super distant memory and, and it, it's going to be totally unrelatable, but it, it all happened. And this is, uh, this is, like you know, like you guys said, the the anthropomorphic comic format. I mean, and it's funny the way his, his the, the Art's father is as an old man. I mean, it's funny, and it and it kind of keeps you engaged as as an old man. You try to mimic his speech as you're reading it. It's just uh, some of the, it's accessible. It's hard hitting, and it's real, and it, it's and it's got to be like 
I, I want to go back and goddamn res- give it the respect it needed to be given in high school and read it because, I mean, this is real life. This is crazy. It's everything Dale said, and it's not heavy-handed. It's not preachy over the top. This is somebody's real life. And I don't know about you guys, but I was kind of embarrassed because as I'm reading it, and I'm seeing all of the wheeling and dealing that some of the Jewish characters did with the Nazis to survive, to get them to turn their backs or where they would hide whenever there would be random checks. I don't remember my world history enough to know if those were accurate accounts of things like that really happened. It makes me want to go crack open a history book and say, okay, did all of this go on for other people? Mm-hmm. Was this one man's story really just one man's story or were there countless other tales that weren't published that are similar to this yeah i mean and this i mean considering the guy made it out i mean he was definitely one of the lucky ones but to have uh to survive as long as he did before he got put into auschwitz i mean the 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 hustling he had to go through like and the diagrams of like where they ended up making bunkers under coal bins and under shoe piles and stuff like that. It's, it's just completely, I mean, you don't want to believe it, but it's there. It's it's one man's account of what happened to him and his family. I mean, it, I really I really recommend everybody read it, and not just because it's a good comic, because it's not. It's so much more than that. We got your letters. I'm going to open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. Let's do what we can to lighten up this mood, huh? Letters at paperkeg.com. You send us a letter, and there's a good chance Mark Farrington will read it live on the air. 50% of the time. Can I give them a hint about getting their letters written on the air? Read on the air, rather. The shorter, the quicker the more likely I am to read it. Nobody listens. Nobody will listen to any kind of death knell request we make to keep them short. But that's fine. You know, we love to hear from the listeners, friends of the show. He's got a point, but you know what, Slim? People do listen. Case in point, Christmas came late for me. Oh, why is that, Mark? I begged and I pleaded for some Slim hate mail, and I finally got it. It says, and I quote, Guys, Mark asked for some Slim hate mail. Here you go with no backpedaling. Oh, boy. Slim is... Slim is arrogant, antagonistic, contrarian, and trolling. He is like the internet in a human being. He believes his own ideas are the only important ones. He calls others' work garbage while having created nothing except the paper keg empire himself. He is a... Hold on, that's kind of a compliment. That's kind of a compliment. GD, nobody can just be 100%. He came back, though. After that line, he said he is a tyrant. In love, a fan since Nerdcast, very exciting. P.S. And this is where he admits, it's very hard to write a negative email like this. No wonder no one has done it before, especially since anyone who would write such a thing is obviously a fan. Wow, backpedaling. He backpedals at his P.S. The... Listen, Shut it all down. Listen. Close the lid on the laptop. Mark put it out there that that maybe I should be getting some hate mail. You know, to the levels of Jonesy or Adele or, you know, the ones that get all the hate mail. You know, some things were said in that email. It's true. Some things were said. 
You know, I, I did help create Paper Keg. That's a fact. The Paper Keg <laughs> Empire. <laughs> and I, don't, uh, I mean, he did, he did say you did it single-handedly almost. Well, that's you know, hurtful. I mean, that's not worth the time to dispute something like that on the show live. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> you know, everyone, everyone knows what I am, who I am. Right? We don't need to That's get into true. that. I think it's probably half the reason why people listen. They listen. 83 episodes, and that was one and a half times the only hate mail you've ever gotten. Whereas uh, if Dale, Jonesy, or myself make one slightly off-cover comment, people are ready to call Jesse and shut the show down. Ambulance chasers. We have a lot of ambulance chasers out there. I remember one time Jonesy got a hate mail, and he like flipped out for the second half of the show. I don't remember who that guy's name was. What did he say, Jonesy? You probably have wrote it down in your journal, <laughs> your dream journal. My dream. I have a fanfic about it in where his, Scott Hartnell in finds an unpublished journal and Dexter's him. Um, Little known secret, guys. I also keep fan letters in the archives. I believe he told you something about the f bomb. Stop using it. No, oh, no, 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 no. That was, that was whole, actually there was also an episode where Jonesy flipped out at Just Dave, guest host of the show, in the fireside, and we almost had to cut <laughs> yeah. out the whole segment because Jonesy oh, lost yeah. his mind. Um, <laughs> I was on uh, some pretty strong painkillers that night. Before we uh, move on and make more excuses for Jonesy, uh, at very exciting, thank you for that email. Very poignant to the point and mostly all true. We just we just roll with the punches. Slim's punches. Listen, we're all friends here. We are. We're all friends. At least we pretend. Most of us, anyway. For the sake of the listeners. In this life, you guys are my friends until tomorrow morning. <laughs> Goes back home. In Ohio. <laughs> yeah. Next letter from Dave Finn. <laughs> hey, guys, I will gladly throw some love out there. I've listened to, let's say, about six of your shows in a few days. Love the warm and intelligent but funny and lighthearted discussion. You show a love for comics without being all uppity and focused on, quote, internet comic scandals, unquote. Stuff, thank God. Anyway, I dig positivity, but do love it when you just deliver a cold, hard dismissal <laughs> to some truly terrible arcs and arc that sometimes just plain deserves it i.e. Captain Britain crapness in Uncanny X-Force, which just messed with an epic run. <laughs> oh, yep, I'm a big Morrison fan and loved, like, Invis- Invisibles, which I read a few months ago and honestly it blew me away. But, yep, Flex Mentala was confusing as hell and unsettling, but not in a good way. It actually left me feeling queasy and a little ill. Peace him out, guys. Dave. That guy's, uh, that guy's cool. He's been uh, tweeting us pretty often recently. It's, uh, you should follow him on Twitter. At Red Lantern 2051. Oh, I like that guy. If I could toot our own horn briefly, I do, I am very uh, prideful that we don't cover internet scandal hot news at the moment all the time. Yeah. I think that's a big, for me, a big plus for a podcast that talks about comics that just doesn't get into internet scandal fury of the day. I mean, there's plenty of Twitter people that would just wallow in that cesspool all week. You know, the James, what was that, the director of the Guardians of the Galaxy scandal of the day. He wrote a blog post like three years before and people got all uppity about it. Love it. Right. You know, who needs that? Who wants to live like that? Nobody. Appreciate the, uh, I appreciate, and I also appreciate that people pick up on that, you know? It's nice. Dave you know? Finn is a smart guy, obviously. You know? Yeah, and that Captain Britain storyline in Uncanny X-Force stunk. Garbage. Was terrible. Get out of there. Guy just it fin- was garbage. Guy just finished reading Starman, so he's got some taste. You know, if I want to ruin that artist forever for you, I think he's doing a creator-owned work with Rick Remendo, the Ooh. guy who did that uh, skinless arc, skinless man arc on Uncanny X-Force. 
He always that draws was people's faces garbage. from underneath their chin. And they're always looking up at an angle. Just ruin that guy's art for you forever. It's like once you realize Phil Noto's women all look the same. He's cooked for you for the rest of your life. Done for. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Are you arrogantly trolling and being contrarian again? <laughs> I am the, what was his line? I'm the internet in a human being? <laughs> yeah. I believe that's what he said. That might be a new, that might be a new Twitter bio. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Finn just finished reading Starman. I might have to see what he thought. You're the man version of danger. <laughs> Dave Finn, don't hold your breath for Mark Farrington to tweet you. By the okay. way, if you're on Facebook, <laughs> if you're on Facebook, I am you seconds from now. Right. Twitter? No, no. <laughs> Next one's up from Chris Miranda. Hey, Keggers, can't remember if you all reviewed Fables on the Comics Podcast, but I think the first volume would be a great book club book been a few years since i've read it but i remember that it was fantastic think about it well chris i just reviewed <laughs> fables 124 right we... but for paper keg we've never done a fables book maybe we lift the embargo the golden embargo it's not a, i don't think that one has a golden embargo yeah no that's not stamped for golden embargo mm. even our golden embargoes aren't what they used to be we did sandman I don't think that one ever got the fabled golden. That might have been a bronze embargo. No. Which one is the embargo still? Criminal? We can't, we can't mention. Uh, the criminal Criminal does have the golden embargo. I think that might criminal be Criminal is just a troll on me for the last three years. <laughs> golden troll. Golden <laughs> troll. <laughs> uh, last happens. letter we got is from at ChrisG983. Just finished listening to the latest show, and as always, it was great. Concerning the quote-unquote no capes idea, how about Pride of Baghdad by Brian Vaughn or even Hero Bear and the Kid by Mike Kunkel? On a side note, just thought I would mention a great book you guys should look into called Sentinels by Rich Bernatovich and Luciano Vecchio. Great story about the second generation of a world's greatest super team. A little cliche at times, but overall really good. Anyways, that's all for now. As always, the best to you and yours. Looking forward to the next. Yours at Chris G nine eighty three. P.S. That was him that sent the letter last week about the ending song. Aha! Uh-huh. Oh, anonymous. That was not uh-huh. Dragon Pro. Dragon. I think we we said Dragon Pro sent like five letters in that episode. Right. That's probably a misquote by me. It was <laughs> on my wiki. It was probably on my wiki. I uh I don't I don't think I know any of those books that he mentioned. I'll just be honest with you right now. I never heard of any of them. I'm in, I'm intrigued. I gotta tell you, that was the last letter, Mark. That was the last letter? What a show! Greatest show of all time, mm. possibly greatest no, greatest no keeps theme show of all time. I think. Yeah, I gotta tell you, next episode we gotta go lighthearted. This was a good book, but this was a sad book. It was. Is there any more? Holocaust books out there because we could just it could be Holocaust <laughs> month. Uh, a Holocaust themed episode. What a show! <laughs> yeah. God no, we'll have to read Captain America. Uh, yeah, whatever that book was called, Truth. Oh, um, what was Truth? It? Truth. The I only the only I, episode that we can mention times, where Mark cackled hilariously at the mention of the gas chamber. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I'm going back to yeah. listen to that episode so I can defend myself. Uh, yeah. you, you can't because you, you sound terrible. I'll tweet you the link. To everyone for listening. Uh, if you're bored, you know, review us on iTunes. Tell your friends. They help spread the word about the show. Mm, yeah. yeah. Uh, next week is another book club which we haven't decided yet. Read by us. (laughs) See ya.
Time to move on. Hackle, TM. All right, that is the official sounder of the fireside chat. <laughs> Thanks again for Don Garvey for being here. Next Thanks to me, off camera. Appreciate it. Is he actually smoking a cigarette right now? <laughs> he, he is. He's over the toilet. He's wheezing into the toilet to get whatever is in his system out. Right. And we thank him for it. Do we have any uh, rebuttals from any of the books that we talked about? A rare, I don't think so. no rebuttal. Yeah. No, is a no rebuttals episode. No capes. No rebuttals. So I guess all that's left is the next book club book. Let's talk about it. I've got ideas for the next theme episode. I want to hear it. And I'm always curious if the listeners got the ideas for our next theme episode. We did no capes. What do y'all want to hear? Agreed. There's nothing involving fables. If you have an answer, say it out loud right now while we're on the show. <laughs> Maybe we can hear you. What are, you, what are your ideas, Mark? How do you not get more hate mail? <laughs> that baffles me. <laughs> I've known you for years, and I kind of hate you right now. <laughs> he dances a fine line. I mean, he, he does. He's charming. Like he 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 will uh, dismiss you and insult you, and you'll love him for it. You know? It's uh, it's it's charisma. That's what they call charisma. Charisma with is, a yeah. Z, and I ooze it all over myself. Lucifer <laughs> was charming too. But seriously, Mark Farrington, uh, published writer, actor. Uh, decathlon athlete. What are some of your Train. ideas? The next one that we would, assuming all parties would be down for it, would be we talk about certain writers with reverence and awe. I would love it if we could maybe pick one writer, one author for the entire show and read different books by them, review them. I like Brian that. Wood, Brian K. Vaughn. Brian Wood. Mark Wade. Maybe Bendis. <laughs> as, Brian Wood. As much as I love to disagree with Jonesy on everything, I do like the idea of doing a Brian Wood episode. What? Mm. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got Brian. a lot of creator-owned stuff that I've never read. He like does. a lot of, uh, what is it, the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, New York or some such, New York something or other. Channel uh, Zero. Channel Zero is one. I think uh, I just Mark Wade and Grant Morrison... Should be banned from the list. I of just uh, I just picked up a five dollar book from the Bam. comic book shop in Delaware from Brian Wood. Really? Yeah. What was it called? You want to run over to the bookshelf there? Yeah. Uh, as yeah, long as you, <laughs> as long as you don't edit this in post, you got to keep this part in. All right, I'm I'm going to keep it in. See, Brian Wood would be good because he's got creator owned. He's worked for the big two, and then he's got a whole library that we've never really read. Mm-hmm. Northlanders. So. I only read the first arc. Wouldn't mind We'd reading more. I mean, he's, yeah, he's got a, a vast library of creator-owned stuff that I'd love to dive into physically. His issues with uh, Peggy Corner on Northlanders are pretty dynamite, too. She did Northlanders? I didn't know that. Uh-huh. Yeah. She did an arc in Northlanders. Breaking news. What's the book called, Dale? So I got it. It's called Fight 
for tomorrow. It's a Vertigo book. Mm. Who's the Who's the artist? Uh, Dennis Cowan. My gosh, Kent Williams. No, sounds British. You know those? You know those? No, guys? I have no idea who those people are. You could have made them up. Uh, Fifteen years ago, young Cedric Zhang was kidnapped and sold into a nightmare world of slavery and exploitations. Forced, forced to fight other abducted children like an animal to amuse bloodthirsty crowds, he would have grown up knowing nothing but pain and adrenaline-fueled adrenaline rage if not for his only friend, Christy. The two clung I, together through adolescence. I think Kent Williams is actually Mark's alter ego when he lives in Ohio. <laughs> Can you confirm that? I do that know several <laughs> Ken Williams, actually. They call you Kenny Williams? K-Will? For short? I have K a boy Will. named Kenny Williams. Uh, all right, so that's the next... Well, maybe next show won't be a themed one, but that's a good idea for a and creator that's theme. A, yeah, that's a good idea for the theme. Let's do him first. Author do profile at the same time for that is show. what I'm calling it in my head. I will get a GD retweet out of him if it's the last thing I Yeah, know. let's I talk about your... I mean, you're shooting out dust particles right now in, in retweet land. <laughs> oh, my. That's I'm afraid fun. it's part of my procedure I had done. Really? Unless, the vasectomy? I'm less virile on the Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Writing that timestamp down. 109. <laughs> uh, all right, so book club for the next episode. We're running out of time here, guys. Okay, let's, let's, let's get serious here and uh, do something. I don't know. We've done a few... I don't know. It's been a while since a superhero book. No, we did Kingdom Come. That's a superhero book. Criminal. <laughs> Golden Man. Golden Embargo. Yeah. Golden Troll. <laughs> you know what I could go for? I'd love to read a Darwin Cook book. Not New Frontier, but I don't know. Has Darwin Cook done anything that we haven't read? He did, did do uh, a Batman Alter Ego or something? Batman, or ego. Batman ego. Yeah. Um, he did do that. He do, he's doing some before Watchmen stuff. No, no. Did we do Parker garbage. as a book club? I think we did, or in the early going, we did. We did the first volume. Yeah, I think some, one host didn't finish it, but I won't name any names. <laughs> That's I was trolled by Comicsology. I think I don't. Th was it the Comicsology app that trolled you, or was it a different app? Um, I, th I think it was maybe it was the IDW app. Yeah, it was. No, yeah, it was IDW before Comicsology took them over. Thank you. That's Appreciate what happened. That. I accept your apology. Oh, can I tell you guys my dark horse story? Sending you hate we're on the safety of the fireside. Let's do it or no? I want to hear it? What's so, happening? So, uh, for this no capes episode, I wanted to read uh, Brian Wood's first Star Wars uh, issue that was getting some uh, critical acclaim. Buzz. So, uh, part of my scope of alleged uh, work is that I have to, you know, spend some time in doctors' offices. So I figured, well, I'm gonna bring my iPhone. Download the Dark Horse app, fire it up, yeah. download the issue, and uh, I'll be reading in no time. You know what I'm saying, babe? <laughs> Instead, babe. the app would cruelly take me to the new titles page. And every time I'd touch a new title, it would the following message would be, uh, you know, if the activity spinner goes on for more than 30 seconds, it, the problem has to be your internet connection. Hmm. So I spent a majority of times, you know, uh, quitting every app, rebooting my phone, sure. uh, you know, going into every other app and making sure I would get something right away, go right to the Dark Horse app. Uh, if it's more than 30 seconds, it's got to be uh, your internet connection. It can't possibly be this SE app 
that won't let you download any of his books. I hope it's not Dark Horse's goal to get any new readers via digital because good effing luck on that. Uh, yeah, it's it's bad. But um, I actually saw a tweet recently saying changes are coming. Apparently their Android app is better than their iOS app, if you can believe that. Hmm. I uh, I just pooped brown liquid just thinking about the <laughs> the bizarro world situation we find ourselves in. But I guess it's supposed to get better, period. Did um did we pick a book club for the next Beb. episode yet? Beb? Did we pick a book we club? We haven't Beb? Come on, picked Beb. a book yet. Beb? Um, I want to do Devil Dinosaur. Let's talk about it. Is there, Devil I wonder if there's, Dinosaur. I wonder if there's such thing as a, an arc we can do. From, it might have to, uh, wait, is Devil, that a Marvel book? Or is that Skybound? Character? Is that from Kirkman and... Uh, no, that's Super Dinosaur. Oh, Devil Dinosaur. Oh, that's didn't Marvel. he? Wasn't he just in your uh, Avenging Spider-Man book? <laughs> he was. That's why I want to do it. <laughs> that's why I want to read him. And Moon Devil Boy, dinosaur. the the monkey, his Good monkey Lord. friend, Mark okay, Farrington. Your thoughts on that pick? I'll just have to do that on a uh, in my top, I, my round because nobody hates, nobody loves the books <laughs> I pick. <laughs> All my books on the book club candidates ignore. Ignore, ignore, ignore. You ignore, picked ignore. Concrete. We did it last week. I would love to do Skull Kickers, Volume 1, if we could. That's not bad. I never finished it. Mm. I never read it. You, are you saying, are you guys saying we might do Skull Kickers next I week? I want to hear, I, I think Mark Farrington, we're running out of time, guys, so I want, but I do want to hear Mark Farrington's picks, and we'll throw in the pot, and maybe we'll decide off air. I have absolutely no picks whatsoever to offer. So I've got nothing. Skull on kickers, it is then. Excellent. I think we're recording that soon. Do we have a day on that? We still need to pick a day. For that. It might be in two hours if we don't <laughs> hurry up. 